Hey there, Margie Bryce here bringing you the Krabby Pastor Podcast. And I don't think you're going to be too surprised to know that it's too easy today to become the Krabby Pastor. Our time together will give you food for thought to help you be the ministry leader fully surrendered to God's purposes and living into whatever it takes to get you there and keep you there. So we're talking about sustainability in ministry. Well, I am here today with my friend, Patty Dennis, and Patty and I have worked together for a few years on church revitalization process. And we have also been in coach training together. And the fun thing about Patty, and there's a lot of those, but the fun thing about Patty is that she is also a trained counselor. So I thought it would be valuable to have her on and we can chat a bit about about coaching, about counseling, because maybe you've got to the place where you know you need something and you're not quite sure what that something is. So I'm going to introduce you. I actually, I'm going to let Patty introduce herself because I don't understand all of the counseling certification things. And so she's going to talk a bit about her background before we have this discussion. So Patty, I want to welcome you to the Krabby Pastor this in no way implies that you're crabby. <laughs> it maybe means that, that I'm the one that's crabby. I don't know. I still have not unpacked that fully. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself to us. Well, thank you, Margie. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, my name is Patty, and I spent a lot of years in the field of education. I started out as a teacher, and then I spent 20 years as a school counselor. And so I do have background in adolescence, middle school and high school age students and their families. And I do have a master's in counseling and I am a licensed professional counselor. After I retired, I got involved in a lot of the stuff that Margie and I have worked on together in terms of being a catalyst for um, church Church improvement and things like that. And that led me to uh, the coach training. And so it was very fascinating for me to kind of understand the differences between the two. So, and there are some differences and I think they both have. um, Sure, sure. And we both are trained through the International Coaching Federation, because I will say this, and I, and I mean this kindly, (laughs) that there are some people that hang out the shingle that they're a coach, but their training, well, let's just say it this way, International Coaching Federation, their training is extensive. Their training is in depth and you do a lot of hours of that and you have a lot of requirements along the way to meet. So I'll just I'll just leave that there. Right, Patty? Yes. <laughs> and the and the neat thing about Patty then is that she took her gifts and is using them to serve the church and the ministries of the church. So that's that was how we kind of connected. So let's let's start though with counseling because I know I just did a podcast about counseling and the value of counseling or when it is you need a counselor. But I I kind of want to start us off. I guess, with a recap of some of that. So, Patty, I'm going to let you talk about 
counseling for a moment. Okay. So counseling is, is something that we look to when we feel stuck or we feel like we can't move forward on our own. We need support. We need, you know, a safe place to come and talk about issues that are bothering us or that we can't seem to resolve on our own. And so as a counselor, it's our job to, of course, listen carefully, but also because of our training, provide some particular skills, you know, suggestions, things that might be appropriate or helpful in in moving that person forward. And so it's a little bit more directive or can be a little bit more directive than coaching. Okay. So then counseling, you're maybe going to say to someone that would come to you, well, I'm going to suggest A, B, or C. And so you have actual solution-oriented suggestions for them, whereas coaching is different on that. How? Yeah. So coaching is very much driven by the person you are coaching. They lead you follow, you listen, you ask um, questions designed to help them think through their their problem with the belief that that person has within them the ability to do their best thinking about their own life. And so it, it, it's providing a space to do that, a dedicated time to do that. We're often very busy and mm-hmm. we don't stop to really reflect and do our best thinking. And so the coach can help that person do that through their questions. And then it's up to that individual to then decide what they might choose to do. It's not come from the coach. The coach doesn't say, well, you have A, B, or C. The coach says, you know, well, what do you think would be a first step that you'd be willing to do? And so it's really driven by the person you're being, that you're coaching. It's their, and again, it's their belief that they have the best solution for themselves. Okay. So then counseling, somebody would come to you for counseling and that would be, it is, it is patient driven or client driven, whichever terminology you want to use. But how is then the counselor working differently than the coach? Counseling also has a more, um, sometimes a more past focus. We're digging into past issues and and childhoods and things like that, that, and trying to make some connections for the individual with that. But the, the, the counselor then might make some suggestions about what they could do. Or let's say a patient is estranged from, say, a sibling or or a parent, and that's causing a lot of anxiety and hurt. And so the counselor might then come in and say, well, here here are a couple of options that you could do. You know, you might want to make a suggestion that you journal about it. Or you write a letter and you can choose to send it or not send it or, you know, whatever it might be. There might be a number of things that that the counselor could say, you know, this has worked well in the past for other people. Would you consider doing this? Okay. Where, where coach would not come up with those. Okay. Coach would not suggest those things. 
Okay. So if someone has gotten to the place, and this is kind of a big deal, dare I say, especially within the ranks of ministry leaders, to actually mm -hmm. get to the place where they say, I know I need help. I know I need someone to journey with me to come alongside. I know I'm stuck. And by the way, even just the admission of saying I need help and I need someone to journey with me is an act of humility because you're saying I can't do this on my own. And I have to say, then the ranks of ministry leaders, sometimes that's the biggest hurdle. Mm -hmm. But at any rate, at any rate, let's say there is a ministry leader getting to that place saying, I know I need help. I know I need someone to journey with me. How would they know whether they should choose a coach or a counselor? Because in both instances, and I've said this to people, coaching is great if you're stuck and maybe stuck in your own thinking. You know, you're stuck in the rut of your own thinking and you need someone to help you see that there really are more solutions and that you actually know more solutions than what you think because I'm going to ask you questions in such a way that it's going to help you to hop out of the rut, you know, give you the ladder to crawl out of that rut and, and see things a little differently so that you can find your own solutions. But if you were talking to a ministry leader that said, I know I need help. I know I need someone to journey with me. How do I decide whether I need a coach or whether I need a counselor? I would need to know more about the issues to make that. <laughs> well, that's a good deflection, isn't it? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I would. I would need to know more as to what my recommendation would be. I think if there's a lot of trauma and a lot of fresh pain and a lot of past histories of hurts that haven't really been talked about or dealt with, that perhaps counseling would be the way to go to kind of just unpack some of that. And then once there's less pain and anxiety attached to those topics, then it allows the person to maybe do a little bit better thinking that would be beneficial in a coaching situation. So if that pastor that, you know, finally says, I give, I need help, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think it would depend on what they think they need help about, you know, okay. Do I need help about handling the anxiety that's free floating in my congregation? Do I need help about self-care? Do I need help about how to set better boundaries? I think those are all appropriate coaching. I mean, not to say that you couldn't do counseling also, but appropriate coaching topics. Whereas if I had childhood trauma, abuse, and you know, more serious things that need to be unpacked that create a lot of emotional angst. I think that perhaps counseling would be the way to go. That's kind of, that's really interesting. It made me think of um, a course that I took at seminary from pastoral care and counseling, where we actually went through the book, Overcoming the Dark Side of Leadership. And we had to, it was like, I felt like I was in high school, you know, with that, because the assignment was to read the chapter and do all the questions at the end of the chapter. And I thought, mm, all right, fine, I can do that. But as we went through the book, or I went through the book, because we all had to do it individually, you know, what surfaced for me was the dark side of leadership that in my own heart, 
that because we all have baggage. We uh-huh. all have baggage. And the piece that this book unveiled for me, I guess is a way to say it, is the fact that my baggage, I need to know what my baggage is and be aware so that when something sets me off in my head, I can say, oh, it's that again. And then you can process the situation differently. And every single ministry leader has baggage. You need to know what your baggage is and understand that. And actually, it's that very baggage that frequently drives us into leadership, which is a whole nother, I'm sure I've creeped you out tremendously. And I promise I will put the link, the Amazon link to the book uh, in the show notes. But so there's, but you mentioned anxiety, which I think is like the number one thing. I think the piece that passes understanding that Jesus gives is way under preached in terms of a blessing and grace received from God for us in this anxiety-producing era. So you're saying maybe, it's not that you, I mean, the only people that have no anxiety are dead. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yes. (laughs) That's pretty much it. Agreed. (laughs) Yeah. So, but you're saying that in coaching, maybe you have some anxiety, but it's not necessarily something rooted in the past that is driving what you do now. Am I am I in the ballpark? No, not really. I'm not saying that it's I'm talking about levels of intensity, I think. Okay. More than, you know, there is always going to be that connection from our past and and those buttons that get pushed mm-hmm. and the awareness of those are so helpful. Period, right? Whether you get to those through coaching or you get to those through counseling, I, you know, just that awareness is is huge in terms of being able to be a little bit more thoughtful in, in our responses, you know, to those kinds of things. But I think it's levels of intensity mm-hmm. that, I, that I'm that really would lean me towards one or the other. The higher the intensity, perhaps the counseling piece, just to kind of level that out a little bit. Because when our intensity is really high, we, it's really difficult to do our best thinking. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I think I would go to kind of calming that down, you know, through perhaps uh, counseling where they might just need that supportive person mm. to cry with or to just listen. And, you know, um, whereas coaching is much more with the idea of doing their best thinking, but to get to an action plan. Okay. And how do you get to an action plan when you're just grieving over something, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's not really an action plan per se, but just maybe just letting that loose, letting that out, letting that space to do some of that kind of work that's maybe more conducive with coaching, I mean, with counseling. Okay. And because I, I know that's really solid brain science when your anxiety levels are really high, your thinking pretty much goes into the proverbial toilet. Correct. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and, you know, and I've, I've kind of lived that and, you know, you're wondering why you just can't, you know, make some kind of decision and 
then some people get anxious about not being able to make that decision. It makes them even more anxious. You know, I mean, you can go down that merry road, but you want your best thinking. You want to be in a place where you can do your best thinking. And it's not that you're going to have no anxiety, but as Patty says, it is levels of anxiety. Is there any way that you can gauge that about yourself? Um, that's a really good question. I, I'm not sure I really thought about that, but I, if I had to answer that, I think I would say that there are probably some ways that you could gauge that. And that would be different with each individual, but that's awareness of trying to figure out, is this a one or a 10? Mm. You know, am I spending, you know, all of my time just in a circular kind of thinking. That's what, when I know I'm anxious, I am in a circular thinking. It's like I keep it, I keep repeating that same worry, right? I just think of it as like I'm on a I'm in an anxiety dance and I just keep dancing in a circle, right? <laughs> you know, I'm just spinning. And when I spin in my head, I know that I need to slow down and I, I need to address whatever that is because that tells me that I'm, you know, anxious. And so that probably varies a great deal from person to person, but that's how I can recognize it. So just starting to try to recognize when you're in that high anxiety level, whether it's some people have a racing heart, some people, you know, you know, it just depends on how your body lets you know how anxious you are. But yeah, I think that you can if you do a little introspection, figure that out. That That is an interesting point too, self-awareness. Mm-hmm. How self-aware you are. Do you, do you think that that impacts whether you would choose coaching or counseling or no? Well, I think generally what happens is for either, either choice, people reach a level where like they just they just don't know what else to do Mm. and so you know whether they reach out to get counseling or they reach out to get coaching the most important step I think you alluded to it in the very beginning is making that step to do something Mm. um, to to stop the I'm doing the same thing over and over again and not getting a different result kind of mentality and the you know the the acknowledgement that gosh I don't have all the answers Mm. and that perhaps I need help to to get some different answers Mm -hmm. and again Mm. whether that's through counseling or coaching but it's that first step that's the biggest step right and you know fortunately as a culture it's become much more acceptable to reach out Mm. and and get help than it was 20 30 years ago and, and longer so that's a good good thing. I think the thing that works against either option also as a culture is that we're so busy. Mm. That And that is true. Yeah, that is true. I want to just mention that I see self-awareness as you're willing to say, why do I do the things I do? And how could I do things differently? And And you can, for a moment pull yourself out of yourself and kind of watch yourself. I'm not talking mm-hmm. about a, a serious out-of-body kind of experience <laughs> or anything, but you ha- you can observe yourself rationally and say, I-, I need to do 
something different. It's very interesting that we, and whether it's counseling or coaching, that we have to basically get to the end of ourselves mm-hmm. to, before we seek out that kind of that kind of assistance, that kind of care. And it's such a blessing if you can get to that point and just say, ah, I need some additional thinking on this. I need somebody else to help me, you know, walk alongside in in this thinking. Mm -hmm. Because there's, as we all know, we could probably think of many people in our lives that repeatedly do the same thing over, Mm -hmm. expecting a different result. You know, Um, I used to use the analogy, it's like, why are you beating your head against this brick wall? It's not going to move. And all you're doing is beating your head against the same brick wall. You have to do something different, right? If nothing changes, nothing changes. But we, you know, so to get to that point of making that change, and that is a change just to make that call or just to, you know, investigate counseling or coaching is huge. Mm. Yeah, I I always used to liken it to very similar to you. I'd say, why am I banging my head on this wall? And then I walk around wondering why I have this headache. <laughs> why yeah. do I have this headache? You know, yeah. and 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 also there is an aspect, and I'm gonna as a coach, I'm gonna lean on in that direction uh, because that is what I offer and do. Is that coaching is one of the ways we can do self care. Mm-hmm. So you're not out there walking around by yourself. And, and I don't mean to theologically demean anybody here, but I understand the idea of it's me and Jesus and, you know, as a leader and, and I'm walking with Jesus and that is very true. But then there's also the need to recognize and see the gifts that other people could bring to us and that other people and their perspectives are gifts from God to us, to walk with us. And those other people can work in an incarnational way. That's they have skin on, right? And they're walking in tandem with God. They're hearing from the Holy Spirit and they can be that kind of a spiritual companion on the journey. And it does not demean or mean that your relationship with Jesus is any less than it was beforehand or ever. Um, so I see, I see getting someone on your journey with you as a form of self-care. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And that's something to celebrate when somebody chooses to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to ask you, Patty, and I've tried to do this with everybody and, and you, you'll just have to forgive me. (laughs) I, I, it was my very first interview, and it was actually a university president. And I asked him if he had anything else he wanted to say. He goes, yeah, I want to know why you didn't ask me what makes me crabby, because that's the name of your podcast is The Crabby Pastor. And I said, oh, well, forgive me. So ever since then, I have tried to always ask that. It's not that I'm perfect at this either, but it just dawned on me that I hadn't asked you what makes you crabby. And it's interesting to see what people <laughs> say with that. And uh, I'm talking away because I'm seeing you think <laughs> nobody else can see you. <laughs> Just me. But so I'm giving you some time by yammering on here. For a minute. <laughs> what makes you crabby, 
patty. Oh, that's uh-huh. awful. Krabby Patty. You get Oh, them. yeah. SpongeBob, <laughs> right? Krabby Patty. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, it is funny. Well, um, it's not my norm. I can tell you that. It takes a lot for me to get there. And I guess what makes me crabby is when people ask for my help and then they basically don't do anything that you suggest. <laughs> Is that is that a counseling perspective? Um, no, it doesn't no. have to be coaching. But, it could no, be coaching. I mean, yeah, they just don't do anything with what's been uncovered, right? You know, it's like okay, so you say you you want this to change. What are you willing to do? And they mm-hmm. come up with something, and then they don't do it repeatedly. Yeah, yeah. once. I mean, I right, mean, change is hard, and it takes time, and you have to practice and all of that, but. Uh, you know, the the person that comes to me over and over again, you know, with the same scenario mm-hmm. and they want to complain about it, but they don't want to do anything about it. Oh, I see. Well, I know that's like attending a conference and getting your big fat folder, right? Or binder, whatever they're handing out. And then you bring it home and you put it on the shelf and you never like use it. Right. Like. It's not like I've never done that. <laughs> I know I have. For but, me either. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, right, right, right. So, yeah, well, okay. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, <laughs> I should have warned you. My apologies okay. for that. So anyway, so if you have any other questions about coaching, you can reach out to me at Margie at MargieBryce.com can find me on Facebook individually or at self-care and sustainability, the number four ministry leaders. And my website is margiebrice.com and that's B-R-Y-C-E.com. So you can ask any questions and a first consultation is always free. So hopefully this has been helpful for you as you are journeying along and as you are seeking to decide what kind of companion you need for your journey. Hey, thanks for listening. It is my deep desire and passion to champion issues of sustainability in ministry and for your life. So I'm here to help. I stepped back from pastoral ministry and I feel called to help ministry leaders uh, create and cultivate sustainability in their lives so that they can go the distance with God and whatever plans that God has for you. I would love to help. I would consider it an honor. And in all things, make sure you connect to these sustainability practices, you know, so that you don't become the crabby pastor. <laughs>